Cards charge to the party. He's Bill. I'm Daniel. We're gonna fill out pop culture composers with various pieces of media we immersed the first time around. You probably saw this in theaters, didn't you, Bill? Oh no, I didn't see this. I didn't see this until it was after uh, it was on HBO years later. In fact, mm. uh, half of the, there, there's big chunks of this movie that I distinctly remember seeing on uh, advertisements on HBO a billion times before I ever actually sat down to watch this. But once I did watch this, this quickly became one of my favorite films. And I would watch it all the time whenever it showed up on HBO, because it's a good movie. Mm, that movie is called... Dun, dun, dun. The Muppets Take Manhattan. And that one, you know what? I was, I was kind of <laughs> disappointed by that one. The Muppet Grand oh. Muppet Caper was so good. That really is like the return of the Jedi of the Muppet trilogy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we're talking today about 1987's... No, Crazy Arizona. Classic by the Coen Brothers. Um, what's your experience with the Coen Brothers, Daniel? Uh, I've seen chunks of their movies, but I've never sat down and seen an entire one. Really? Huh. Really? I'm kind of surprised, because you're all the old-timey shit, and the Coen Brothers yeah. are nothing if not old-timey shit. <laughs> so you've yeah, never even seen, go. like, like, you've never even seen, like, the, like, the Hudsucker Proxy? No. Wow. As a, well, that just that it's on my list. I was gonna say that that that's that's that, that I should be happy with that because that's just fodder for a bazillion more uh, Target of the Party episodes. Assuming you liked Raising Arizona enough to care to you know see any more of their film. Um, mm. I don't know how any of these films play if you didn't kind of grow up with them like I did. Um, especially Raising Arizona because this I think it's their second film after Blood Simple, which I still have not yet seen. That's actually one of the things on my Target of the Party list. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but, yeah, what'd you, I don't know if we should, maybe should we, to the end of the podcast, ask you talk about. It doesn't matter, you'll get my feelings on it as we go. Well, this is not, essentially an early I'm not birth good at hiding how I feel about a <laughs> exactly, movie until yeah. the end of the podcast. Well, I feel super happy, because I don't know if this was your intention, but this is essentially an early birthday gift for me, because they, you knew this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's not like you Slightly. had, a, like, a really diehard interest in seeing this movie, but... Out of the blue, you were like, oh, hey, let's do Raising Arizona. Well, I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say I had a diehard interest, but I've heard so many people jerk off to this movie yeah. so much throughout the years. And that's what I was saying last week when you first mentioned that you wanted to uh, do this episode was I felt bad because, yeah, again, this movie, this is one of those movies that does not hold up to being over, overblown, being oversold. Because its charms mm. are subtle, it's a very tiny little wee comedy of a movie. If someone goes up to you all the time saying, Oh my god, Raising Arizona, the best movie of all time, when you see it, you're going to be like, This is cute, but like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> so, and yeah. even, I literally just got done rewatching right before we started recording, and even then I'm like, What, well, rewatching going, Oh yeah, if you're watching it now, like in 2017 at first blush, and, and you've never seen it before, and you've had people kicking and screaming about how amazing this movie is, you might go, the fuck's wrong with you people? <laughs> Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with it, but it's far. just... You know what I mean, though, but it's just like, yeah, it's like, well, they stole the baby. Great. <laughs> now they're in the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, when does, like, the amazing stuff kick in? Yeah. The amazing part is watching it on HBO in, like, 1989 while eating pizza rolls at 2 yeah, o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think it might be one of those films you have to I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm saying, yeah. but it, it, I think it does benefit from 
certain films benefit, and this is one of them benefit from you discovering it exactly. and not really knowing what it was about. Yeah. Like, Rather than having it thrust things, upon you, yeah. Like I've known so many people that try to foist like their interests on their kids and yeah. be like, You're gonna watch this and then their kids are like, Veh. I'm disinterested God in this. Whereas if the kid, yeah. Where if the kid, like most kids nowadays, I don't think would be interested in Goonies. But my niece, when she was little, found the DVD case and was like, "I want to watch this," and huh. she discovered it. Therefore, yeah. she likes Goonies. But yeah, if you're gonna be like, "Hey, here's these thirty-year-old this, this movie," yeah, kids if, from 30 you're gonna sit your kid down and be like, "You're gonna watch Goonies." And it's my favorite the fuck movie. Is this kid, yeah, it's like <laughs> this super slow, bad special much. effects movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And something... especially movies that's kind of very specifically 80s ish as Raising Arizona, it doesn't necessarily look very good. The soundtrack is yeah. all synthy and stuff like that. And I mean, I, yeah. I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it this. It is definitely the best Nicolas Cage movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is not saying much. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, of course, this this may be my favorite comedy of all time. So of course, I'm that's probably the same thing for me. Not. I'm trying to think of any other Nicolas Cage movies I've seen that have been worth a damn. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think I've, I don't, I don't I don't think I've seen that many Nicolas Cage movies well, in general. Especially since there's like that that big sarcastic cult of Nicolas Cage that goes online mm -hmm. these days where people just like yeah, like uh, you know, people who love watching uh the the Wicker Man or like any of his like really shitty movies and it's just like I never quite bought into that stuff. Nicolas Nic partially as a result of my first exposure to Nicolas Cage being him in this movie, he's always just been kind of a big dipshit to me. And I've never got yeah. the appeal of like even sarcastically being into him as like like the the hipster action hero or like, I don't know. So but um yeah. but yeah, so this movie so yeah, I feel like this is gonna be like uh, last year when we did Little Women, where I'll be going through it, and you'll be like, uh, "You neglected to notice <laughs> the small detail in the background where yeah. the fly farted," and that's my favorite part. I caught myself doing that the first eleven minutes of this movie. <laughs> I took like three pages of notes, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I gotta calm down and just fucking watch the movie and pay attention." <laughs> and so, seriously, almost all my notes are for like the eleven la uh, first eleven uh, minutes of the movie and the last five minutes of the movie because mm -hmm. I wanted to, like again, this is your choice. I don't want to run roughshod over you, but yeah. So I had to yes. calm the fuck down after a while. Mm, well, anyway, but yeah, it fine. starts off with I credits. Figured that was gonna, I figured that was gonna happen, so I didn't take super detailed notes. Oh no! I, I was like, <laughs> this is gonna be a super I, no, short I, episode. Oh no, no, I took detailed notes, but not super detailed because okay, I was like, yeah. Bill's gonna, Bill's well, gonna remember all the. It's not like the shit. most. It's not like the plot in this movie is complicated or anything. Too, it's no. it's the movie takes place over the course of like three days, and yeah. they steal a baby, put it back in the end. They learn a lesson about life and love, and that's the end of the movie. And, Really, that's yeah. all you really need to know about the Raising it's, Arizona. It's, um, it's a movie about H.I. McDunham, mm -hmm. but everybody just calls him Hi. Hi. I guess it's, you Hi. find out halfway through the film that his actual name's Herbert. But yeah. Yeah. He first met Ed at the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, because... Taking his... Oh, sorry. <laughs> so we're already no, doing you're it. fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this is... Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> This is the first time I've seen the movie, like, in HD, so this is the first mm -hmm. time I noticed that, like, you could read the date on his little, uh, police lineup placard when he's, get, you know, yeah. he's getting arrested. 
I just noticed that the movie starts off on November 29th, 1983, which I just thought was mm. kind of... But yeah, anyway, shut up, Bill. Uh, she was taking his mug shot. She's a cop. Her name was Ed. It's short for Edwina. Uh, while in jail, he had group therapy sessions. <laughs> and our leader hippie guy is asking somebody why he doesn't feel comfortable in his male money. And he's body in this big black dude says it's because he gets menstrual cramps and I thought that was going to go somewhere later in the movie or something but no it's just a little little throwaway joke and, and the, the guy leading so the session stupid. also has he also has a, a, a number pi necklace on oh does he? yeah huh. that's the symbol for pi that's very specific I just yeah, love that guy's that I'm weird. presuming his voice is dubbed because even for a big black guy it's it's like I got the menstrual cramps real hard. Just mm. yeah, yeah, this movie's dumb as fuck. Um, yeah. also one last thing I'm gonna notice just because I could uh, notice the shit in HD for the first time. Uh the 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 police lineup camera that Ed is using is a actually really fucking cool old 1920s camera. Uh, complete mm-hmm. with a Graflex uh flash tube attached to the side. Uh, just like the ones they used to make uh, lightsaber props for the Star Wars movies. Well, there just, you go. I don't know what... Just throwing or, it out there. Yeah, I don't know why, like, a fucking Arizona police department in 1987 would be using, like, old-timey fucking uh, 1920s, like, black-and-white, like, fucking film cameras, but... Uh, anyway, go ahead. So, he gets paroled and tries to stay out of trouble, but it wasn't easy to do with Reagan in the White House. I did, uh... <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna try to stop. That's why I paused because I know you made a note about this. Well, yeah, because I tweeted about it. Um, yeah. this, this is one of the things I like about this movie. I think it's funny, but it also has a weird, uh, empathic heart. Uh, and this is one of the first parts in the movie where that kind of starts to show through a little bit. Where, yeah, there was a little bit of a an overdub where uh, Nicholas Cage is talking about how uh, he's he's tempted to go back and keep on robbing uh, convenience stores, specifically because. It's not easy with that some bitch Reagan in the White House. I don't know. They say he's a decent man. Maybe his advisors are just confused. Um, which the fact that like instead of him just kicking and screaming against Reagan, however the world's against him, I'd always appreciate that he was like, I don't know. Maybe he is a decent man. Maybe he's kind of giving Reagan the benefit of the doubt, even as he's contemplating like using that. He's kind of thinking as that, that is an ex- excuse as to why he wants to rob a convenience store. Which mm-hmm. just, yeah, again, just speaks to the weird empathic heart of this movie. Uh, never never really punches up or down. It just kind of flails in every direction, just like Nicolas Cage's hair. It's just a very, I don't know, this movie's super chill. I always appreciated that. Well, the, the movie's full of horrible, horrible people. Yeah. That are awful assholes, but are polite about being horrible assholes. Yeah, and they're kind of doing what they're doing for what they think is the right reasons, except for maybe the asshole couple that that Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter know. Those are the closest mm-hmm. things to just outright awful, evil people in the whole movie. And everyone else is at least kind of... You can kind of see where they're coming from a little bit, and they don't mean harm. Mm. But they're all just... Everyone in this movie is very human. Let's put it that way, and I always appreciated that. And, and, and watching this movie as a kid, that's one of the things that really... Uh, connected with me was kind of like that weird kind of vibe in the movie. But anyway, but that's neither here nor there. So he gets his, he robs a store, gets his mugshot taken again, 
Ed's crying because her fiance or her finance finance <laughs> left her. Say, yeah, specifically Sorry. her finance. <laughs> her finance left her. And High says to tell him he's a damn fool. And if he wants he to discuss wound it up. further. Yeah, he know where to find me, penitentiary, blah, 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 he'll be waiting. I like he, like, smacks his own ass, because he's so just, why he wants to punch her fiancé. It's just, yeah. yeah. Uh. He gets paroled again, gets arrested again, gets his mugshot taken again, and his fingerprints done, and while Ed is taking his fingerprints, he puts his hand on top of hers and puts a ring on her finger and saying, don't worry, Ed, I paid for it. Yeah. And then the parole board tells him he's a repeat offender, but he tells them, not no more. And he gets out again, and he walks to the police station, proposes to Ed. Yeah, I do love he stomps into the police lineup room, and you can tell he's, like, barging, and he's breaking up the fact that she's taking a photo of another uh, uh, arrested dude. And uh, I love the fact that uh, High recognizes the guy. He's just like, oh, hey, howdy, Kurt. And the guy just kind of waves back and he just continues his proposal to Ed, which I always thought was really mm-hmm. funny. Uh, this one, I'm going to make one more digression about the emotional component of this film. Um, there's a bit where, you, the, you know, they're showing Nicolas Cage getting in and out of jail a couple times. And there's another bit of a little uh, narrative overdubbing where he's talking about I don't know where you come down on the incarceration question, whether it's for rehabilitation or revenge, but I was beginning to think revenge is the only argument that makes any sense. I always thought that was kind of indicative of a weird maudlin streak in this movie. Um, a lot, but that's the, the, a maudlin kind of dark streak in this movie that's kind of paired with the sense of joy, which is funny because Ode to Joy is literally one of the themes of the film, like musically. And... Mm-hmm. That darkness, the dichotomy of darkness and joy is always battling it out for the heart and soul of the movie, which I always thought was... Again, as a kid, I always felt like there was a little bit of a weird subtext going on in this film that I could never lay my hands on, even as an adult, like, watching this movie again. I'm like, there's a little more under the surface of this film than, like, an average comedy, which I always appreciate. It's not really articulating, like, a particular thesis about light and darkness or joy or sadness or anything like that but there's a little bit of a kind of weirdness to this movie which i always but again that's something you don't think about unless you've seen this movie unless you've discovered it by yourself i've seen it a thousand times and you're already kind of like a little bit of a depressive weirdo to to begin with so that's just Mm. i'm gonna shut up now mike okay the uh so they get married yes her dad gets them a trailer and he gets a job punching sheet metal at a factory. Yeah. Um, I did notice <laughs> that when they get married, all the mm-hmm. folks on Ed's side of the family, quote unquote, in the chapel, are just a bunch of people in Hawaiian shirts. Whereas, and they, they have a big sign that says, good luck, hi, and Ed. Whereas everyone on High's side of the family, quote unquote, the family, is a bunch of beat cops that only have a framed picture of the governor from uh, High's Pearl meetings hmm. on the wall which i just thought was fucking hilarious again that's something i didn't notice until seeing the movie today but yeah so ed really wants a baby it's all she ever thinks about you want baby so buy it and her point is there's just too much beauty in the world for just the two of them and they gotta share it with somebody but then shit got turned upside down oh fuck she barren as shit <laughs> Yeah. I love how she comes rolling in in her police car uh, with the siren blaring just to just to drive up to high and be like, hi, I'm Baron. 
Yeah. It's super sad, but it's still kind of funny at the same time. Uh, he didn't believe it at first, but then the doctor explained that her womb was a rocky place where his sea will find no purchase. That is a haunting phrase. <laughs> <laughs> it's so evocative, yet like kind of gross. Like, I could totally, like, yeah. That sounds like almost biblical in its mm-hmm. phrasing, but yeah. Yeah. And they can't adopt a baby because of High's checkered past. He's committed too many, too many robberies. Yeah. Not armed robberies, though, because there are no bullets in the gun. I do like the idea that they think they could even out because, you know, you've got a, you got a convict, but he's married to a twice-decorated police officer. But, it, yeah, it's not enough. The bias of what both biology and the law is working against them, so they, they, can, they can't have their own critter. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ed gets depressed. And she stops knitting, stopped doing housework. She really falls shortly the after fuck apart. she turned on her badge. What? Yeah. She's super sad. It's true. Yeah. And then his work got boring, and he found himself driving past convenience stores that weren't even on the way home. Did you notice? Well, it- again, you wouldn't care about this because you've never seen the Hudsucker proxy. That's uh, when he's at his little drill job. That everyone's mm-hmm. wearing Hudsucker Industries. You don't care about that. That's a, they were hoping to make Hudsucker thought... Proxy their next film after this, so this oh, okay. was supposed to be a call forward to that, but because that movie yeah. wound up costing $40 million, they didn't get to make it for like another 15 years. But Anyway, go ahead. It cost $40 million? Isn't it a movie about somebody inventing a hula hoop? If you'd seen that movie, you would see where that 40... That is a $40 million movie. Okay. That movie's <laughs> fucking bonkers. Like, it's nothing but like these giant, like, cave-like sets and mm. matte paintings and special effects and yeah <laughs> which is funny because it really is about just the adventure <laughs> that's the, that attitude is exactly why that movie only made about 35 dollars out of its 40 million dollar budget mm. at the box office but then the biggest news ever happened on tv the arizona quints babies of the lady named florence arizona as you probably guessed, she's the wife of Nathan, Arizona, and well, hell, you know who, you know who he is. He's, you know, he runs the largest unpainted furniture store. He's so wealthy. God, this man's a horrible person. <laughs> but I get at the end of the film, he's kind of sympathetic and cute. But He's no more horrible than anybody else in the movie. This is true. Everyone's kind of stupid and horrible in this movie, but still. <laughs> I do love his commercial where he, like, blue screens his way he, like, walks out of a picture of his own store and his commercial's just terrible. And I'll hit my, if my name ain't Nathan, what? No! He, uh, he, what, you find out later that his name is Nathan Huffines, but no one would ever shop at a store called Nathan Huffines, so now it's, oh, unpainted Huffines. And so mm-hmm. that's why he's Nathan, Arizona. Anyway, go ahead. So they figured it's not so cool that some should have so much while others have so little. So they're going to ride off into the night with a ladder on top of their car to steal a baby. And they get chased by the text of their own film the whole way mm. there. Oh, is this, this is a good. This whole 11 minute opening is like one of the greatest like pre-title sequences in movie history. At least in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah. And then the title pops up. Yee-haw! Yeah. And the, and the main theme, the yodeling and all that stuff kicks in and. It's all very cute, but yeah, that's a that's turns a into of... a Yahoo commercial. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but they do manage to cram in a lot of information for that first. The first eleven minutes is practically a short film in of itself, but yeah. yeah, actually, you know what? I think I think my favorite part of the movie is that first eleven minutes because hmm. 
yeah. It's, and the rest of the movie's good, too. But there's such it moves at such a snappy pace that, like, you know, I guess things have to slow down after that. Anyway. And then, then we're at the Arizona household. Wednesday, April 12th, 8.45 p.m. Nathan Arizona's on the phone yelling at an employee. And his wife's sitting down there, too. They hear a baby upstairs. It sounds like Larry. Which so, is la- I forgot the kids are all like Larry, Barry, Jerry, and Gary. Hmm. And then Nathan. I guess that's a joke. I uh, Sure, we'll go with that. I love this movie, and even I'm like, I guess that's a ha-ha. <laughs> It's a real D slapper, that one. Yeah. (laughs) So here's five minutes of high trying to wrangle babies while the parents sit downstairs staring at the ceiling. Yeah, this goes on for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, this might be part of the movie where even I was watching going, uh, I I hope the uh, momentum from that first 11 minutes carries uh, carries, uh, Daniel through this a little bit. Sweatier and sweatier. Can't handle babies. You know what? This got me thinking, though. This occurred to me that this is one of the few tolerable movies involving a baby as a central plot point. Uh, precisely mm-hmm. because the movie never puts the baby in false danger or pretends that the baby might get hurt. Half the humor comes from the fact that the baby is wearing invincible plot armor. Uh, like, compare this to Adam's Family Values versus, like, bullshit like Ghostbusters 2, where you're supposed to be like, Oh no, what's gonna happen to the baby? Whereas in this, it's like... Oh, we know we're... It's a fun, uh, lighthearted comedy. We're not going to try to, like... The baby's not going to get run over by a car. If anything, it's cute because the baby gets put on the fender of a motorbike driven by a crazy... But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Nathan Sr. tells uh, his wife she should check on the babies because they seem restless. <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple up- big thumps, yeah. Yeah, she goes upstairs, uh, narrowly a missing... missing uh, high in the hallway, and mm-hmm. all the babies are there sitting in the crib. High goes out to the car, and Ed is very mad. He doesn't. Oh, that's right. Forget he loses his him. nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of it the almost big... makes. It's almost like he made a good decision for once in his life. <laughs> and this is one of the big HBO clips where, like, you gotta get me a baby. You gonna get me a baby? Yeah, where she's yelling yeah. at him about, like, she pretty much browbeats him to going back up there and stealing a mm-hmm. baby, which he does. Don't you come back without a baby. Yeah, that's what it is, you know. Yeah. So he goes back to the house and gets a baby. Nathan Jr., he thinks. Oh, he says, here... yeah, I think I got the best one. Yeah. And here are the instructions. And he throws Dr. Spock book about oh, babies God, in the Oh, God, I remember seat. getting that clip, too, where it was the big wagga, wagga, wagga. <laughs> <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. I thought that whole movie was going to be jokes like that, so when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, this is actually better than just like, oh, the Mr. Spock guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. So they're in the car, and they talk about how the mother's going to be upset. It is the mother going to be upset, and of course she is, but she also has four more. Almost as good as this one. I do like the little kid logic at play here, <laughs> where it's like, well, she's got more, 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 more. <laughs> Spread the level around. Let's, let's you know. She's only going to miss the baby for, what, like two or three weeks at the most. At most. At the most. Well, then after a while, she might come to appreciate that's one less mouth to feed. Maybe it did, did her a favor. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ed starts crying because I love him so much. This is... Okay, one last digression. 
<laughs> one oh my more time. Uh, it makes, one if it makes you feel game, any better, please. I literally have like three notes after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I-, I love the fact that Ed is a complete slave to her need to have a baby. But the movie never mm-hmm. really makes fun of her for it. I mean, she's a big mm. mess about her need to have a baby, but like the movie never really has any anything but empathy about it. And if anything, Ed draws a shitload of her power from the basic need to be a mama, adoptive or otherwise. Mm-hmm. But like, hey, I like how the fact that she wants to have a baby, it's not like a big punching down joke of like, oh, look at this crazy woman. She wants to have a baby, even though she is kind of shrill in this movie. I always really liked her as a character just because, again, she seems relatively human. Even though she makes terrible, but terrible decisions and is kind of a monster, like you were <laughs> saying, like everyone in this movie, but relatively human. If you know a lot of crazy people, maybe that's part of it. Maybe I was <laughs> living with my family and watching the television set. I was like, I know these people. I live with these people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they take the baby back to their home, and it's all decorated to welcome the baby. And not at all the trailer they show with the exterior shots. Yeah, you... They have a fireplace, for fuck's sake. I I don't know if that's a mistake or if they just didn't give a fuck, because have they never actually been in a trailer home? Because it's not like <laughs> their house. It's a, a house. a big-ass trailer, man. It's like... It's wide. It's not like yeah. It's not just six feet wide, but there's like different rooms and shit like that. Like, you can- and it has a like I said, it has a fireplace. A fire- what are you talking about? Trailers don't have a fireplace. <laughs> In fact, actually, like, uh, fucking Nick Cage, he has to go, like go to their bedroom that is around. Like, he has to like walk through other rooms to get to the bedroom inside this trailer mm-hmm. home. And they have, like, a big double bed with, like, extra space and, like, cabinets and stuff around the double bed uh, yeah. to, to, to to hide the Playboy and the giant tub of caramel popcorn on his bedside table, <laughs> which is fucking disgusting. Um, I do love how nasty their house is. Mm. It's vast, but yeah. it's terrible, and I love their drinky dink. Yeah, welcome home Nathan Jr. signs, but yeah. Yeah. They show the baby all around the place. Then they all sit down and stare at each other. Yeah, which again, they kind of like make a joke out of how small small it's supposed to be because it's it's high been like over there's the kitchen and here's the TV maximum two hours a day. We don't want to ruin your appreciation for the finer things. And this is over here. This is for socializing with the family union. And it is small, but mm. it's not as small as the script would suggest it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? What are you kidding? We got a family here. Because <laughs> he's like, I love. That's a great emotional beat of. Hi and Ed sitting down for the first time and kind of realizing just what they've done and the fact that they, oh shit, we actually do have a kid now. And like, she's crying yeah. and he's freaking out. And, but in a good way, it's not like, oh my god, what have we done? It's like, oh my god, look at what we've done. It's great. Like, yeah. yeah. No family. He sets, up, he sets up a camera. She starts saying she's a little scared because they've never raised a baby before, and she asks him if he's gonna help out or be around or help raise the baby. Which is the wrong time to start asking that question. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. And the camera, the timer goes off, and a terrible photo is taken. I can't believe that wasn't like the movie poster. Yeah. And now we get to watch John Goodman be born from the earth, screaming and screaming and screaming as he climbs this out. This goes of on for a while. <laughs> Mother Gia's womb. It's like something God. from another fucking movie. Which actually, do you ever see the Shawshank Redemption? 
No. Uh, this 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 scene almost beat for beat takes it's 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 but it's dramatically. It's not like I don't think this scene in the Shawshank Redemption is supposed to be an homage to Raising Arizona, but it's the exact same uh an escaped convict crawling out of a vagina like earthy womb in the yeah, <laughs> flashing you... rain and thunder in the night. It... Yeah. And if you listen very co- co- carefully, you can hear Morgan Freeman say, and they crawled through a quarter mile of shit to get out. Well, that's exactly yeah. what they did. They even say later that they had to yeah. crawl through a sewage thing. So I don't know if Stephen King, and when he was writing that original novella, was like, I could make a whole goddamn book out of this. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And he grabs somebody's leg and pulls out his his cellmate or buddy. Yeah, or brother? Brother. Which, you know what? I, looking him up, I was like, that guy looks familiar. What else did he do? He played Flat Top in Dick Tracy. Mm, He's actually yeah. done a bazillion other things, but, like, just just funny that I forgot that we did, did Dick Tracy as a project You forgot here. that we did everything. Because I was like, man, Dick Tracy, have I ever seen that? And I had to look up Dick Tracy Tardy, party, <laughs> tardy Podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. I guess we did. That was early days, though. I have justification for forgetting that. Mm. Anyway. And at the trailer, a banging on the door wakes up high in Ed. And I can tell it's John Goodman. He's yelling, I open up, it's the police. Yeah, they just, I, He's not fooling nobody. Yeah, it's Mr. just a happy Goodman. accident that they pretend to be the police just right after that the High and Ed have stolen a baby. So, of course, High and Ed are extra freaked out thinking it might be the actual cops. But. Well, High says, or she, Ed says, they ain't gonna split up the family. And High says, I'd like to see them try. And twirls his gun. Oh, I forgot, because... so bad. The re- revolver does show up later. Like, I, I couldn't remember if they actually yeah. set it up anywhere. I guess this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then happy noises come from the other room. And she goes out, and introductions are made, and people laugh once everyone's in. It's But not in a good way. She's totally giving Gale. them the stink eye, and... Literally, because mm-hmm. they're stinky, they're still covered with shit. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And and High and Ed are just absolutely terrible at lies about the baby. You think you'd come up with a backstory for that kind of thing? This is a good. Yeah, I mean, I guess they weren't expecting to have to have an explanation the first thing they woke up the next morning. Like they probably figured they had an extra day or two to figure out, start coming up with a, an excuse as to why they suddenly have a baby out of the blue after, despite. I guess they have been talking about, they must have been talking to everyone about how they were trying to have a kid, and they must have been telling people about, oh, we must be, we're trying to adopt, but yeah, they're terrible. Well, that's the part of the theme of the film, is that these, they're terrible parents. Yeah, because they have a banner that says, welcome home, son, and they're like, John Goodman's like, where's he been? Well, that's a good fucking Visit question. The grandparents. <laughs> that never grandparents occurred to me. Dead <laughs> that is a different good... states. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, whatever. Was the baby way on uh, vacation? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ed says the boys can't stay. And more so, they can't stay when she finds out they broke a sewer line when they busted out of the joint. I, excuse me. Released themselves of their own reconnaissance. Which I thought was... Yeah. Of course you did. Of course. Go... <laughs> <laughs> Why you know? Why you got John Goodman speaking this kind of weird biblical Southern talk? It's always gonna be kind of mm. cute. And John Goodman's like, "Who wears the pants around here?" H. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She goes to bed, and the boys give him some grief about all that stuff, and then High goes to the bedroom, and him and Ed talk, and he promises they're only gonna stay a day or two tops. And then not, not I had a dream. 
a lone biker of the apocalypse who blows up rabbits and with grenades and shoots lizards with shotgun and he and blows up a bunny evil. rabbit. That, that's mm-hmm. one of the things. Because, like I said, I was getting my like philosophical nutrients from the dichotomy of light and dark that I mentioned earlier in the film when I was a kid. And then a dude blows up a bunny rabbit with a fucking grenade. And so it was like mm-hmm. a fucking fiesta of ideas for little Billy Mudger and watching this shit when I was like 13 on cable. But yeah. Yeah. He's a horrible biker of the apocalypse, and he'll be coming for high as soon as Florence, Arizona, found out that her baby was gone. Yeah. I do appreciate that the Coen brothers have never really articulated exactly what the fuck this guy is. I mean, mm. it's obviously like he, like he's supposed to be some kind of physical manifestation of high subconscious, or at least he's been summoned by the up because high upended the natural order of things by stealing a baby, but... Yeah, I do appreciate that whenever anyone's asked the Coen brothers about, like, what is that biker dude? Like, where'd he come from? What is he doing? They're just like, I don't know, we just thought it was cool. It, yeah, whatever <laughs> you want it to be, that's what it is. We just, yeah, we do, we just... <laughs> I think there were one big thing when creating that character. They were like, we didn't want necessarily what we think uh, an evil bounty hunter demon guy would be. We wanted to, uh, we, we wanted to create a character that only Nick Cage's character could come up with. So it had to be, mm. like, yeah, some kind of, like, something kind of created out of the other by either Nick Cage's character's guilt or whatever, but, yeah, so, but yeah, yeah, all this stuff with this, like, lone biker Mad Max guy running around doing shit. Yeah. Man, with a really cool shot, too, that this whole scene does end with, is this the, the bit that ends with the, the camera flying up through the, like, parking lot up the, the, up the ladder into the, the Nathan Arizona's wife's mouth? Yes. Yeah, which is funny because a lot of people talk about how that is so evil dead dead ish. Um, because the Cone brothers, they're buddies with um was it Sam, Sam Raimi? And uh the the Barry Sonnenfeld who was the cinematographer on this, he was, you know, friends with those guys and he worked on the Evil Dead stuff and yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, amusingly enough, also went on to direct uh, the Adams Family movies, which you can totally tell just even from that one shot. You're like, oh yeah, that would totally be the guy who made the Adams Family movies because it's all flying yeah. Evil Dead shit. But yeah. So the next day, there's a news conference with Nathan Arizona, and they ask him which baby they took, and he says Nathan Junior, I think. And one of them asks him if he'd like to comment on the rumor the baby was taken with UFOs. And he says, don't print that, son. If his mama saw it, she'd lose all hope. So he goes back inside to answer questions with the cops. They ask him what the baby was wearing, and he says, jammies. No, they, that babies were all just in their diapers. They weren't in no jammies. That's a good point. Yeah, I never thought about that before. Um... Yep. Even though he claims they had Yodas and shit on Which them. is, if you're going to take away anything in this film, Yodas and shit on them. <laughs> that's, that's, mm. That should have been the tagline of the film. Just complete non-sequitur. Yeah. yeah. And the cops need to follow, follow their leads, because they're all just packed inside his house, the one place where he knows his kid ain't. I do like they are really just eating, like, coffee cake. And just fucking yeah. around, and he gets super... He does get justifiably wound up. He's like, <laughs> You're looking for my son at the one house. I know he ain't at. Get out there. Go find the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he gets ink on his $500 camel hair coat. Mm. He is very stressed and he is upset. 
And he, and he keeps on actually, he's so angry, he keeps on getting his inky hands on other stuff, like a fucking pillow throw and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, and they ask if his any of his employees have a grudge with him, and he says he, all of his employees hate him, but they wouldn't have taken the baby. Uh, they wouldn't piss if their pants were on fire without his say-so. <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's a horrible person. He runs a terrible organization. Um, mm -hmm. Did we skip past the point where uh, the next morning after Holly Hunter and uh, High wake up, she's singing yeah. a lullaby to him and stuff like that? Yeah, um, I, I, I just skipped that because I have like, like, that's not happens. important. She and sings I knew, a lullaby I'm, and he looks out the window. Of course, I've got figured, 15 and notes about that. like, no, we gotta talk about that three seconds. <laughs> oh, it's like, I've only got, this is one of my two of the three notes that I got left. Um, I fucking love the lullaby that Holly Hunter sings to Nathan Jr. during the first morning in the trailer house, uh, right after High's dream about the biker. Uh, turns out it's a tra uh, traditional Appalachian murder ballad called Down in the Willow Garden about a man facing the gallows after poisoning, stabbing, and throwing his lover into a river. It's also the main musical theme of the film, uh, coupled with Ode to Joy, uh, going back to the darkness and joy dichotomy thing I mentioned earlier in the film, or earlier in the podcast mm. about the kind of thing going on with this film, which I always thought. But it's a really pretty little melody! And always, as a kid, I always had a kind of a crush on Holly Hunter because the way she sings that melody is so kind of dark and fucked up. And you listen to the lyrics that she's singing, it is like, I didn't kill that poor little girl. Like, what the fuck lullaby is this? What are hmm. you doing to this kid? Oh my god. But yeah. The end. Billy Mudron, age six. An essay by. <laughs> Thank you. Glad we went back for that one. Do not read the number 2557. I have a crush on Holly Hunter. She sings the sad song so pretty. At the hole in the ground that the cons broke out of, the, the biker that High dreamed about is there, just hanging out by it. The cops don't seem to mind him at all. They really don't. That's, there's an argument to be had there that maybe they just don't see him because you think this would be more of an event. This guy with like shotguns and grenades who got rolling up and yeah, no one even pays attention to him. He, he sees a rabbit. He sneers at it. And then that scene's over. Yeah. At the trailer. I'm sorry. Quote unquote trailer. <laughs> trailer trailer. Yeah, I can see you doing the figure quotes real hard. Yeah. The jailbirds are eating breakfast in a very sloppy fashion. I man, and, especially fucking flat top guy. He's just he's really leaning into the fact that he's supposed to be playing a dipshit eating cornflakes. They got these little plastic <laughs> Mickey Mouse bowls, and I love how fucking angry that Holly Hunter is while she's trying to be polite while watching them eat, but she just fucking spitting fireballs out of her eyes at them. Well, it's 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 very cute. Yeah, and they, they ask her why she ain't breastfeeding. Which is a you pretty fucking poor question. Yeah. yeah, or else your your baby will turn out wrong. That's what happened to us. So, High tells them that they're going to need them to leave for a couple hours during the day because they're having some def decent friends over to look at the baby and seeing how they're all wanted by the law and shit. Probably wouldn't be cool for them to be around. High also tries to skip out on them. People coming Stupidly, over. yeah, it's a couples on yeah. couples hangout. You can't skimp out out on that, yeah. especially well, when you're like, "Oh, I gotta go hang out with my convict buddies on on the run from the law." Yeah, her eyeballs make his hair catch on fire, so he says, "Maybe yeah, that it isn't is such a good idea." Yeah, and it's in that moment, Brad Bird said, "I found my Mrs. Incredible." Any mm. any woman who could be that angry of a mom 
needs to be my Mr. Was it Mrs. Elastic? Mr. 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 Elastigirl. Whatever, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> uh, later, their friends show up. They have friends, very many Again, kids. with the square quotes. Yeah. Who beat on High's car with sticks and stuff. Yeah. Is I this didn't... lady supposed to be wearing a wig, or is that just the way this... I think that's just worked. primo 1980s hairdo, Southwestern hairdo. Mm. Because it is, I totally forgot, it's Frances McDormand, the hero Fargo, playing this lady, too. Um, Mm. I forget, her husband's a dude I've seen in a thousand other things, but I love Frances McDormand, so it's any excuse to see her is always a good time. Mm. Uh, Inside, Ed and the lady look at the baby, and they're going to call him High Junior till they can think of something better, and the lady freaks out over how perfect he is, and she's great. Fantastic. Yeah, this is again kind of showing off that High and Ed really didn't think this through. The fact that they haven't even forgot a name, and then they're they're, mm-hmm. they're just admitting to this to to their friends that like, oh yeah, we'll figure out a name eventually. Like they're they're treating the kid like something they just found in a box the night before while like dumpster yeah. diving or something. Yeah. You know? So, in the main lobby of their large trailer, the foyer High is talking. Yeah, Hai is talking with the douchey husband who's asked how many Pollocks does it take to screw in a light bulb? Oh god, that's Three. what I forgot about. <laughs> I, I guess the joke is that he's even dumber than the Pollocks he's making jokes about because he can't even tell his own jokes right. Yeah, he told it wrong. Why does it take three Pollocks to screw in a light bulb? Because it's so dang stupid. Oh. Well, he's doing this! Also, while his one of his many, many, many kids is writing on the wall the word mm-hmm. fart yeah. <laughs> and randomly the, he's like oh hey think fast and he just whips a shitload of candy at the kid yep and it's like what the fuck and it's it's in this moment you realize as fucked up as hide and ed are his parents they're still pro they mean better and are better suited to be parents than these dipshits who have can't stop breeding which is this is something i think about quite a bit about how yeah this is kind of horrifying especially like yeah, the fact that they have like 3,000 kids and they all seem to have religious names that they can't control. And in the next scene, we see one of the daughters is like missing a fucking eye? Well, she's like mm, throwing jello salad at high at lunch. It's just. Well, they don't, and they, they don't need a new kid, but the, those ones are getting too big to cuddle. Yeah, and that's. I'm just like. I, I, I just thought the scene was kind of funny to me as a kid, but now as an adult, I'm just like. Ugh, Homer Simpson shudder gif. I just. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, there's I've seen so many people like this in real life. Ugh. <laughs> Outside at a picnic table with their eating lunch and the ladies making uh, Ed crazy, saying all the things she needs, a pediatrician and an insurance in case Hyde dies. And yeah, bank account, done, and blah, blah, Doctor, blah, blah, insurance, all that shit. And then later, hi, and what's this guy's name, Sam? I just call him Pollock joke guy. You've seen this movie so many times, and you don't even it's know. It's not this like guy's they name. refer to those characters by name very often. It's and well, this I is guess. also the guy's last scene in the film, except for like thirty seconds at the very end. But you're like, yeah, uh, wife swapping dude, wife swap dude, saying yeah. that he's feeling overwhelmed and everything, and he the the other guy does what any sane person would do would do and starts talking about wife swap, <laughs> which just seems so like I... such a penthouse forum nineteen eighties thing to me. 
So High punches him in the face. I do love how like High doesn't even think about it. He's just so disgusted at the idea of this guy laying hands on 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 Holly Hunter. He just fucking decks him, and the guy just runs screaming and yelling and into yeah. a tree. Oh, that's right. It's not even a tree. I think it's a cactus. Because uh, it's maybe, Arizona. I, I mean, they don't mm. make a meal out of it. It's not like he suddenly. It's not like it turns into Ernest scared stupid, and suddenly he's got like a bunch of needles in his face, or anything like that. Yeah. So in the car at <laughs> I'm night. I'm picturing an alternate version of this where Ernest actually is that dude, and his Pollock mm. jokes are even more like he's like mugging for the camera and shit. Yeah. Yeah. In the car at night, Ed is chewing high out for punching out his foreman. Who would probably fire him now? Mm. I forgot that this is the reason why uh, High slides back into robbing convenience store. It's because he is freaked out because, yeah, he, he's just assuming that he's just lost his job because he's, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they articulated earlier, too, that that guy is supposed to be his boss, but I guess no, he's the foreman at his. the first time they mention it. At his, yeah, uh, metal warehouse or whatever the fuck he works at, you know? Yeah. And they pull up to the convenience store. He's robbed many times. He goes inside to get diapers. It's kind of even sadder, too, because Ed has no idea why. She, she's completely oblivious as to why, A, why uh, Hyde knocked the guy out. And, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's kind of just... Ty's feeling a little so, boxed in, so he's going to lash out yeah. now. Son, you got a panty on your head. Just drive fast, eh? Turn to the right! The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But... <laughs> Biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hide. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. I'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. <laughs> you busted out of jail. We released Trashaz on our own recognizance. What Double here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a child now! Everything's changed! Yeah! Where's Junior? <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm a fan. We're absolutely going to get him back. Just ain't no question about that. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! <laughs> and you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Raising Arizona, a comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. We now return 
to kissy fur. So he pulls the pantyhose over his head, and he'll be taking the diapers and whatever the teenage boy working the store has in the register. So she's reading to the baby in the car when she hears cop cars in the distance, notices that he's robbing the place, gets out, yells at him that he's a son of a bitch several <laughs> That's times. That's so bitch! And gets in the driver's seat. And, yeah. Um, I, and uh, I do love Nick Cage's it, response to this. Is You better hurry, I'm in Dutch with the wife. What does in Dutch with the wife mean? Oh, you never heard the phrase being in Dutch with? Uh, no. Oh, in Dutch just means know... you're trouble. Oh, yeah, I've never ever heard that before. Uh, my only... I only know is going Dutch is like splitting the check. Yeah. I know Dutch courage is also when you are when we have to drink to face your fears, but hmm. yeah. The Dutch, really, who the Dutch fucked up Dutch? a long time ago. They have a lot of an- answer for that we can't even figure out, but yeah. yeah. She takes off with the car as the police draw near, and as the kid in the store starts shooting at high. Yeah, he pulls out like a fucking 357 ma- Magnum. Does the kid have braces, or does he just have like fucking lumber mouth teeth? Something fucked up a, going I on I think there. a little column A and a little column B. Because <laughs> even watching this in HD, I had to rewind it. I'm like, what's going on with this guy's mouth? But yeah. He has a gun. He's, so, yeah. He, he shoots... Yep. Through the window, chases away uh, high. High runs off into yeah. the dark, carrying the huggies, and with the he got a panty on his head. Yep, and the the cops are shooting at him, and the kids shooting at him, and a long chase takes place. There's a uh, fucking banjo music. Mm-hmm. It gets all yeah. This, this starts turning into Looney Tunes again. A dog tr- almost mauls him, but its chain's short enough. It keeps it away from his face. But it does pull its chain out of the ground and give chase. That is a fucked the... up moment, because the way they edit it is actually very visceral. It's for a moment you think it's fucking mm. dead, but like, yeah, the dog just yanks back at the last second. But yeah. yeah, and uh, other dogs join that do- do- dog as it's running down the street. It's a cute puppy gang. It's all dogs it's go a... heaven. Mm-hmm. He gets in high, gets in a car with a guy and well, lets him know who that guy lets him know. Uh, son, you have a panty on your head. And High tells him to drive fast when pointing a gun at him. And they almost hit the kid from the store who's shooting at them. But And somehow knew that High was in that car. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's (laughs) logic really starts to break down right about now. But the dogs attack that kid, and I guess they eat him, because we never... We don't see him again during the chase. It's suggested that they eat him, but they just look like he's got a treat in his pocket that they're trying to get to, that they knock him over for, but yeah. Yeah, you can almost feel, like, the the production assistant, like, throwing dogs at him to knock him over <laughs> for that shot. Yeah. Yeah. Ed decides, after hearing the gunshots, that her and Junior are gonna go pick up Daddy. And at some point, uh, High gets launched out of the car because they're turning and they break. Yeah, I forget why, but, like, yeah, I don't window. know if the guy's, like, the guy in the pickup truck, his window, windshield got shot out or something like that, but they it can't did. see, and they barely stop right in front of a condominium, and, yeah, long- yeah. I forgot that High gets launched out of the front window like a yeah. missile and, like, lands in the front yard. Yeah, and he runs through the house, the cop runs through the house, the dogs run through the house. It's all very, big- very Ferris Bueller. And then they're in a big supermarket, and while the cops shoot constantly at him, and, like, how many bullets do these cops have? It's Arizona! As many as they want. That's the beauty of <laughs> yeah, America. There you go. I do love how the music changes. The soundtrack keeps on going, but the music changes into Muzak when they go mm. to the, the, the big uh, department store, uh, which I always thought was very cute. 
then uh yeah specifically high runs into the uh i i uh, never quite followed the logic of what's happening until like writing notes for this high runs into the big department store because during the earlier part of the chase he had to abandon the huggies because the 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 cops were shooting at the huggies and so he Mm -hmm. needs a second pack of huggies which he grabs a second pack of huggies but is forced to throw it at a cop yeah that's about to shoot him and then the cop gets run over by a customer it's a housewife and curlers and dogs which there's like five of them in the store yeah but yeah i have i don't think i've ever maybe like once in my 30 plus years on this planet have i seen a lady with curlers in her hair at the store but it happened all the time i think i have especially for someone who i was born in texas and i would fly back pretty often as a kid and i would i think that's part of the other reasons why i like this movie so much because it really does remind me of like being out in the middle of fucking nowhere in the southwest like this is mm. this this is kind of like a slice of my childhood here it's heightened and cartoony and ridiculous but aesthetically i'm like oh yeah that that, that seems about right big ass empty southwestern uh, uh grocery store with like three ladies and curlers in it yeah and then the the, the one of the clerks at that store starts shooting with a double barrel shotgun oh, causing yeah, that's way right. more damage than the yeah he's, he's shooting up his own store at this point yeah so high runs out the back and then ed pulls up in the car and they get out of there and she punches him in the face yeah and uh again this uh, is a big but, thing that was played in all the trailers and everything like that yeah uh, his big really, cartoony reaction she's like everything's changed yeah uh, but really what he did is only one small terrible choice in a cascading waterfall of <laughs> terrible choices they both have made so far that is the blue screen of death of their, of their lives that is just the yeah, cascade failure i do like when he's trying to justify what he's done to ed like she's yelling at him and he's kind of whimpering back all while he's like okay turn here okay turn right Okay, and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? They realize, oh, he's directing her to drive back to where they could find the Huggies and pick them back up. Yeah. I hope Huggies got a couple bucks out of this film, because, yeah. They must have, because it's the only brand named Diaper that's in the movie. Yeah, when they drop off uh, Nathan Jr. at the end of the movie, it's there's like a like a pyramid of, of Huggies just like these in the, in the corner of the room, you know? Yeah. They get home, and Ed... T- angrily tells the convicts that they that uh, they better be gone tomorrow when she gets back from town and then storms off to bed and the convicts mention to high that it seems like there's some tension and they're gonna guess it's because of money so they propose that high oh, yeah. ed and junior and rob a bank with them uh it's the start of a spree they're gonna keep going until they're rich enough to till they retire or get caught no. Well, High doesn't think it's a very good idea, but they point out that it doesn't seem like he's doing a hell of a lot of good for Ed and the baby. Uh, so late at night while everybody's sleeping, he pens a note, and I wrote down the whole thing, but the fuck I am, I'm not gonna read all this shit. Oh no, why is it a beautiful moment? <laughs> is it? <laughs> No, it's fine. Uh, people yeah, can man. watch the movie, like, or if, yeah. if you're listening to this, presumably you've already seen the movie, so you probably have an already inkling of what it is that he wrote. Um, yeah, this doesn't necessarily have to be a storybook on tape. Um, yeah. Daniel, I have to let you know this is one of the highlights of the film for me because of uh, blah, 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 dichotomy of good and evil and sadness. <laughs> and I want you to read that whole uh, speech. Emotions, um, yes. It is, it like, it watched, <laughs> it's emotions to, to joy and darkness and maudlin and 
uh, Garden Willow song, so sad, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, watching this again today, I just realized for the first time, like, it's only been, like, 24 hours since they stole that baby. Like, yeah. I know, like, life got complicated by, uh, the fucking convicts showing up out of the blue, but, like, life was, was suddenly weighing down on, on, uh, fucking Nick Cage pretty fucking, like, this weight of fatherhood is like, Jesus Christ, man, it's, it's like you stole the baby on a Friday night, and it's, like, Saturday at 7 p.m., like, yeah, how fast has your life gone down the toilet, Jesus, enough yeah. that you're gonna, like, separate from your wife and go on the lamb, yeah. Yeah, he leaves, finishes the note saying he should be, he be, she should go. He'll send her money and let her curse his name. Loving husband, Herbert. Herbert. And while he's penning the letter, you see various shots of of our story story character sleeping, uh, uh, the store kid sleeping with a newspaper that says Nathan Seniors put out a twenty five thousand dollar reward for the kid. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Okay, yeah. And the motorcycle he dreamt of driving around at night and doing stuff. Motorcycle. And then thing. after all that's done, you see outside that the biker sitting at a campfire watching the trailer from a distant hill. Oh, I never then... picked up on that. Have you really? Is this your favorite? I'm probably jerking off so much. I'm usually edging right about now, and so a lot of this mm. is the latter half of the movie because of blur. And then smash cut to the biker going into unpainted Arizona. The store. Yeah. And it's interesting. That <laughs> unpainted while Arizona. The novel. <laughs> the motion interesting. picture. It's, it, I like that they give him spur sounds even though he's not wearing any. As I said, this movie is kind of a cartoon in a very kind of nonsensical way. Yeah, he's got chains on his boots, but he doesn't have... Yeah. And uh, dumb Nathan, as shit. Nathan Senior and him have a meeting where yeah. the biker lets uh, Senior know that he's a bounty hunter and that for fifty thousand dollars to track down the kid and beat up the people that took him for no extra charge, because he the twenty five thousand dollar reward isn't that much because he could get a a good healthy baby back uh, can fetch thirty thousand dollars if you know the right people on the black market, which he does. He also points out that he was sold as a baby, and the people who bought him got thirty thousand dollars, and that was like nineteen fifty four money. Mm. And this kind of this, there's a weird aside from the fact that it's never really articulated exactly what the hell this guy is or where he came from. There's a weird baby mama thing going on with him, where a he was sold as a baby, b mm-hmm. he's got a, a tattoo on his arm saying "My mama didn't love me." And see, mm-hmm. he's got like little bronzed baby booties as like hanging from a charm from his belt. Yeah. Uh, which is like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Where the fuck, like, this guy's got a fucking life story, but it's also funny too, because like, whenever he talks, I, even watching it even today, I keep on expecting his voice to be lower and more like what he looks like. But yeah. no, he's just like, hey, I'm a bounty hunter. My friends call me Lenny, but I have no friends. He sounds like mm-hmm. me. I'm like, I do not sound like a bounty hunter. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I guess I should be glad that they let this actor use his real voice and he didn't get overdubbed by the same guy who did, who says my menstrual cramps hurt real hard. But, yeah. Yeah. So Nathan Sr. tells him he thinks he's a scam artist and the, he's the one that took the baby and that the cops are going to have something to say about this. He turns to call the cops, but whoosh, the bounty hunter Batman's out of the office, leaving only his cigar in the ashtray. Oh. 
At the trailer, the boys wake high up with, and they're holding shotguns, and they let him know it's time to start the rest of his life. Robin Banks. But there's a knock on the door. It's Sam, the wife swapping dude. He's in oh, the I forgot. How, oh no, he does show. Okay, I forgot that he like complicates the plot again. That this motherfucker, fuck this piece of shit. Oh my god, this character deserves he, to die. He's he's got a neck brace on, yeah. bandaid on his nose, and similar accoutrements. Uh, he has a newspaper, and he angrily lets High know that he knows that that's not his baby. That is Nathan Jr. Yeah, he was going to turn high in for the reward money, but his wife wants something to cuddle, so they'll be taking the baby. And oh. he will give, he'll, oh. he'll, give, he'll give High a day to break the news to Ed, and then God. he drives off in his car <laughs> with the I Drive Naked sticker and the cage <laughs> for his children How's in the that? back. How is that a family vehicle? I mean, I guess that's part of the joke, but just... Oh, these people are despicable. These people deserve to die in a fiery wreck. Oh, mm. disgusting. Anyway. Trailer High looks back at his trailer and notices a finger snap away from the blinds because it had been holding them open. Yeah, so he goes listening. inside. He asks what's going on, and John Goodman tells him it's just business because uh, the other guy's holding the baby. They're gonna take the baby, and then they start a fighting. And a long cartoonish fighting fightin scene happens where they trash the trailer. And at one point, High clenches his fists together to slam down on top of Goodman. But when he lifts his um, above his head, he scrapes his knuckles along the popcorn ceiling and screams. And it's my heartiest laugh in the whole movie. Because I, I, I don't know if everyone's done that, but I've done that. What the fuck was wrong with people that they were like, you know what these ceilings need? Popcorn. We need like if you touch it, you will die. Texture on the <laughs> on the low slung roof of this structure that people mm-hmm. will invariably end up touching and dying from. Yeah, popcorn <laughs> ceilings. What the fuck? <laughs> well, yeah, that's 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 yeah. Oh, that's probably the most grotesque moment in this whole movie is his scraping his knuckles. I do like yeah. You have uh, John Goodman trying to punch him. And, like, there's one shot where he, like, rear, he cocks his fist back and his, his elbow goes through the window. And then he punches him and misses him and his, his, his fist goes through the, uh, like, the bookshelf. And actually, if you really pay attention, the way that's blocked, that, that doesn't make any sense because the, the window and the bookshelf aren't, like, perpendicular to each other. But, like, yeah, they're trying, they're trying to make this vast vista of a redneck mansion that they live in look like a tiny, uh, trailer park place that's only like three feet wide even though it's not but yeah again yeah they, Cheetos <laughs> and this, cheese this fight was staged for a space everywhere. like that yeah it's just, just a mess and the other guy's hiding in the bathroom with the baby uh uh they cartoon fight I, well to be more correct they're strut they're stuntmen cartoon fight <laughs> Yeah, and they proceed to destroy the trailer until High gets launched in the bathroom through the wall, and they tie him up and leave him. But then uh, he he shuffles around in the chair for a bit that he's tied up in and falls over. And I did like the image of like his cheek landing on one of the cheesy poofs mm-hmm. as he falls over, and mm-hmm. it explodes under his cheek. And then you see the feet come back in the room, and then it picks up the Doctor Spock book about babies and leaves. And then that scene's over. So that is the bounty hunter, right? 
What? No, it's it's Goodman coming back for. Oh, Baby it is Book. Goodman. Okay, because they have the. Uh, uh, that's right, because they have the book in the car later. That's a whole big thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Ed passes them on her way home and says, "Good." And I don't. I don't feel. I'm just thinking about it now. I don't feel like Ed would have left the baby at home. Why With would she? High. Have, yeah. Why would she have? She would not. I don't feel like she would have left the baby. She's so obsessed and attached to it. Yeah. That's. Hmm. I mean, it's a it's a stupid little plot hole that doesn't matter. But maybe I, they needed something from the convenience store, and she didn't trust High to go back without being tempted to rob the place. So she had to pick up. Maybe they needed. You know what? They probably needed baby supplies that they didn't account for. Mm. I mean, it's never articulated in the film or anything like that. But it's pretty. I wouldn't. It would not be a shocker to find out. Like, oh shit, they forgot like more diapers or fucking pacifiers or anything because it's not like the or the, the, the maybe they needed a baby diaper bucket or something like that yep those yeah, who knows? much needed baby diaper buckets but i do like i forget that the the convicts are singing a song that i thought was kind of appropriate but i forgot what it was but i do like think she's like yeah good riddance good you're gone and then oh shit yep. And then you come to the house where Hives pace it back and forth while she's sitting in a chair looking all pissed off. And he keeps telling her she was right and that they're going to get that baby back. And he's shoving various guns in his clothes. And he tells her that they ain't going to hurt him. It's just a business transaction. And then he cocks a shotgun and said, now let's go get that baby. Which I get a feeling. I never saw this in the trailers, but it seems like almost like a made for trailer moment. Mm. Yeah. At least yeah. if this movie being released now, that would totally be yeah. Bump, a bump, quick bump. scene of the cons and with the baby in the car talking about how with the ransom money and the bank jobs they're gonna be raking in the dough. But oopsie no whoa, the kid has had himself an accident, so they gotta stop and buy some huggies. Uh, and Evel asks, they're in a, a small little convenience store. Uh, old timey convenience yeah, store. Yeah, roadside. Yeah, felt like yeah. no country for old men convenience store. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Not that uh, you've Evel... seen that, but like that's, yeah. It's a it's like a gas station shop. Yeah. yeah. Evel asked the, the badly acted old timer at the store how <laughs> diapers work. But I get, you get, you get the, you, you go to that shop and you find the guy who actually works there and says, hey, if we pay you $5, you play your, will you play this character in our movie? Yeah. It's a performance of a lifetime. And he sees some balloons and asks if they blow up into funny shapes. Only if you consider circular funny. So he gets those as well. And then pulls out a gun and tells the old timer to get on the ground and start counting until he gets 825. And maybe I'll be back halfway through to make sure you ain't cheating. And then Evel goes out to the car where Goodman's putting the baby in its car seat on top of the car. And tells and Evel tells Gail to hurry up because he don't know how high that one can count. So you cut to them driving down the road, and they realize the baby's not in the back seat. Yeah. And then they both start screaming. They scream a lot. <laughs> they scream they flip, for like five minutes again. Yeah, they, it they goes on the for car a while. around. Scream yeah. some more, and scream some more. They you keep never screaming. leave a man behind, I, th- I yep. believe is what John Goodman shouts. Yeah. They keep screaming until they reach the gas station and find Junior sitting comfortably on the ground in his car seat. They promise never to leave him again. Because he's Gale Jr. now. I do love the joke of the the, 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 the the gas station attendant. He's just, he's like, as they're pulling up, he's just like, he's like counted up to whatever. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. They're never coming back. Of course, the moment he says that and stands up, 
they they're coming back, and then he gets back down on the ground and keeps on counting again. That was yeah. great. Yeah. So Ed is in wearing her old police uniform for some reason in the car. I guess maybe. Yeah, she wasn't wearing it when she was first when she drove up to the house at the beginning, right? Mm, maybe she remember. just put it on to like. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's not like she... talk. No. Go ahead. no, I was gonna say I was gonna... if she knew she was confronting the biker guy, she could maybe she could put she was putting it. There might be a deleted scene there. It explains like they don't they don't know the biker guy exists. That's what I was about to say. That because like it's not like she could uh, um, intimidate the convicts by pretending that that she's a cop or anything like that. But yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know. So uh, hi, she's going to for talk. a job interview. Yeah, High is trying to talk to her, but she really isn't listening. She don't care about herself no more. She don't care about them no more. All she cares about is Nathan Jr. And she's been doing some thinking, and hey shit, it turns out maybe stealing a baby wasn't the coolest thing they've done in their lives. <laughs> yeah, well, the insinuation is this is the first time she's thinking about Nathan just as as a person and his personal safety, rather than, like, it, just his connection to her and what, what he means to her. And so, yeah, yeah. You, you, like, at least, like, after watching the movie a thousand times, that's what this this scene always means that this is like, this is the turning point for Holly Hunter, at least. Mm. That, you know, this this is when she starts thinking if she can just get that baby back, at least she's going to make sure she's... Not that she's, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to set things right and give the baby back, but I think she's kind of taken yeah. for granted her misbegotten relationship with that kid. So Yeah. Also, yeah. she still loves High, but she don't necessarily want him in her life after she gets the baby back. No, <laughs> she... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually a good bit of acting from Nicolas Cage... And how often do you get to say that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where when what she says that, his his sl- whole slack face just goes taut all of a sudden. Like, he's uh-huh. sitting there looking like his doopy stuff. But when she says, I don't necessarily know if I want to be with you anymore, he, like, does this kind of slack surprised look on his face. Oh, huh, okay. I never noticed. It's subtle, but it's, 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 uh, Nicolas Cage is not known for subtle. Yeah, because most films, his reaction to something like that would be, like, Shake his head, and go like back, like look back and twice and two or three times and go, uh, mm. and like yeah, do a slack jaw, like yeah. yeah. Nicholas Cage, bount- not a yeah. good actor. Yeah, the bounty hunter is searching for them. He looks over the destroyed home, the fart written on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this episode just to hear you say that the fart written <laughs> on the wall. And he finds the. Piece oh of God. newspaper that uh, the oh, yeah. convicts had used to convince High to rob the bank. This uh, is a real stretch because it's just a random piece of newspaper. Yeah, and for so, for some reason he's able to divine the fact that like these guys are going to rob that place because it's getting all that hayseed money than like earlier later on today and just yeah yeah. So the jailbirds are outside the bank. They're gonna go in and rob it, uh, but they can't leave the baby in the car. What if they were killed while they were in there? It might be hours before he was found. So they take him inside to ba- rob the bank with them. They're very bad at robbing the bank. Well, I do. Again, making the characters... And, and, and the Coen brothers attempt to make the, all the characters sympathetic. These guys are asshole. They're convicts. They're, they're, they're abusing the situation they're always in. But I do like they're, like they're so worried about what's going to happen to the baby if they get mowed down during this robbery attempt that they're like, you know, of course their answer to the situation is terrible. Like, let's bring the baby with us. But I do like that they're like, oh, well, we can't leave him possibly to be exposed for a couple hours. We've got to take him with us, which always... Oh, that was amazing, yeah. but yeah. They tell everybody yeah. to freeze and get down on the ground. Well, which is it, youngster? 
Freeze or get down on the ground. Can't <laughs> rightly get to both of us. Can't rightly get down on the ground if we're freezing. Shut up! All right. So everybody eventually gets down on the ground. They load up the money. A quick shot of seeing a paint canister. It says contents under pressure get loaded up. But yeah, I think it's pointed it. directly at the camera like, hey, audience, yep. look what's going on. Taking of this, yeah. Hey, yeah. So they're excited and leave the bank. They drive along all happy. But, oh, shit, they let the baby again. You never leave a man behind. Carbonzo. Oh, is that? Okay, that's one. Okay, yeah. The paint can goes off, and it looks like they blew themselves, Bill. And there's more screaming, like, yeah, mm. fucking uh, Monsters Incorporated is trying to rub the window because there's paint all inside the window, <laughs> and they can't see where they're going, and he has to stop the car, and they're still screaming, and mm-hmm. yeah. You can't step on the brake, it's slippery, and then Oh, yeah, which I always thought that was kind of a gross moment, because they added, like, lots of, like, really gross, slippery sound effects, and the yeah. idea that you can't, like, hit the brake pedal because your your feet is too slippery, it's just, like, kind of like, ugh, that's a terrible consequence of that paint grenade going off, but yeah. Mm-hmm. They finally do stop, and they Ugh. happen to stop right in front of High and Ed's car, who pulls guns on them, asks them where the baby is, grabs the Spock book out of the back of the car, and, and leave the cons behind. Which is the last that we see of the cons until the very end of the film. Yep. In the town, yeah. the baby's sitting in the middle of the road, just chilling out in his car seat. The camera pans up, and there's an explosion all of a sudden. It's the bounty hunter. Yeah. Who skillfully grabs the baby and puts him on the front of his bike. and uh, Where the baby turns into a doll. Mm-hmm. For the and rest then, of the scenes. And then he yeah. uses his shotgun to blast out the front window and back window of High and Ed's car. Before he throws a grenade into the car, and our two heroes of run away from it before it blows up. Yeah, figure quotes the motion picture. Yeah, <laughs> scare so, quotes. Biker tries to run high over, but he rolls out of the way, grabs the uh, bike, and gets drugged for a little bit before he gets his hand stepped on and lets go. Yeah. The bounty hunter parks in the middle of the roadway, and Ed just walks up saying, God damn, I want that baby. Give me that baby. I want that baby. This is one of the other big clips that got played on HBO all the fucking time in between other movies where mm. I, actually this maybe is the one shot of her. She's like in her cop outfit, and she's like ripping off her like clip-on tie. Just like, give me that baby. I want that baby. Like, mm-hmm. very specifically, every time you even watching that movie this morning, I was, like, like practically transported back to, like, my 12-year-old self watching this on TV. But, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I do love, she doesn't give a shit, she just wants the kid back. Yeah. She's not he intimidated pull- by the fucking Lenny Smalls at all, she's fucking pissed. Yeah, he pulls out two, two throwing knives, but before he, and just st- sits there with them in his hands, like, he look, really I, does. look at what I got. <laughs> And, then, and, and and well, it's it's because his hands have suddenly turned into prop hands that can be shot by oh yeah, Nicholas Cage. High high shoot pulls out a gun and shoots his hand, which causes fire to burst out the back of one of them. Which I thought that was great. I mean, that yeah. again it doesn't make any sense, but this guy is so evil that when he gets shot, he bursts into flames. Yeah. yeah. Ed grabs the baby and runs. The bounty hunter gives chase through the bank. Uh, which somebody, like, ADR in, you better lay down, missy. And then she runs out the back, down an mm-hmm. alley, and as the bounty hunter comes out the alley, High hits him with a two-by-four, knocks him off his bike, and it's which the only hit... Which is a great stunt. Hi- it's the only hit High gets in. <laughs> you know, in as, retrospect, as, that's completely true. 
Aside from if you count the tooth hitting the biker in the face that he spits out at him. Well, I did shoot him in the hand too, but the the the, the biker was even concentrated on high at the time. Like in terms of like one on one conflict, yeah, th- that's that's a really good fucking point. Yeah, I just if you go back and watch that stunt, that's a pretty rough stunt because the uh, stunt rider is obviously like on a bungee cord, then he gets yanked from behind off the bike. But it's mm. still like, oh, it's 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 just a great Looney Tunes stunt. Yeah. It's done really well, but yeah. High gets a shippy out of him, and he tries to crawl away by going under a car, but the bounty hunter grabs him and pulls him this, out. This is not. This is also just another weird little detail. Uh, right before uh, High goes crawling underneath the truck, uh, I love the following shot after the biker gets knocked off his bike. Uh, the biker stands up, and he throws a uh, his last remaining uh, throwing knife at High, and High blocks it with the, the, uh, the 2 by 4 mm-hmm. And... It's, I don't know if it's really good editing or if they were just a uh, spring-loaded blade taped to the back of the board, but just the way, like, it bursts out of the wood and, like, Nicolas Cage reacts to it, it just, like, really reads as that guy having thrown that knife at Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage just having barely avoided it. Um, Mm -hmm. just, I wish that, because usually what they do in movies when someone throws a knife at someone else, the object that the knife hits is usually just right off screen, and then they'll add in a sound effect of the knife hitting the wood, and suddenly the person will pull the object into into camera frame to just uh, to suggest that the knife had just landed there but no this is actually like you could actually see the knife going through the wood right in front of nicholas cage's face i spent way too much time talking about that i just thought it was a cool shot but yeah <laughs> nicholas cage under the car crawling away yeah uh and the bounty hunter grabs and pulls him out then they start like bear hugs him and starts beating him up all close highs clawing at him and his clothes and whatnot and pauses for a moment to notice, and they have the same taste in shitty, shitty, shitty cartoons. Because they both have little woodpecker car- tattoos. I thought that was the... You know what? At first I thought it was the Roadrunner. And then mm. I thought it was Woody Woodpecker. It turns out this is very specifically... Uh, there was like a motor parts business that took the Woodpecker, added, gave it a cigar... And this is technically the logo, copyright infringement logo, of mm. some kind of, like, biker parts manufacturer that, yeah, for whatever reason, uh, both High and the Biker have, further suggesting that this guy is just, like, uh, you know, just a projection of High's or something like that. But, yeah, it's kind of a weird... Even as a kid, this is another one of those things in the movie where it's like, this means something, but they're not articulating exactly what. And I was like, there's like kind of some kind of weird depth to this movie. Either there's depth or the Coen brothers are just so good at throwing random shit in their movies, it's easy to think that this movie's deeper than it is. But yeah. Yeah. So the bounty hunter punches him and he flies through the sky and lands on the ground. And yeah. the you almost hunter... get the feeling this is kind of like their riff off the... Uh mechanic fight from Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's kind of that same thing but way more lopsided. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the bounty hunter pulls out his shotguns and starts approaching high. high yeah, he's got the- those big like 1887 like manual cocking shotguns. Yeah, from yeah. like the Wild West. And high holds up his hand to like block the shot, but oh no, you see he got a grenade pin on there. Oh no. Oh no. Well, I do love. Hey, this is one of my last I love moments. Mm. I do love High's I'm sorry when he reveals that he's pulled the pin on one of the biker's 16 billion grenades on his vest. Mm. And also the biker stupidly fumbling with the shotguns as he's trying to get at the grenade before bad things happen. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he fumbles with the stuff. He can't get the grenades off in time and blows up in an explosion of pig sounds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I 
which is just as fitting as all the other random bits and pieces of weird cinematic weird fucking shit that that character is essentially stitched together from. Yeah, yeah. That, it's one of those things too where like like they blew up a dummy and they just repeat the same shot like five times in a row just to add the extra impact. But yeah, yeah he's like filled bait. with fireworks and shit too. It's really weird. His bronze baby shoes landing, smoking on the Oh, yeah, smoldering in the sun, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a little bit of, like, a baby crying sound, mm. which is like, is this sort of like the death of innocence for high, or what the hell's going on? Who knows? Ugh. Whatever. It's all affectation. At night, Ed and High put the baby back in the correct crib at the Arizona house. With the They char- smack it around a little bit, say, it's your fault, you made us mm-hmm. do this, look what you made us do. It's the- terrible. Oh, I cried every time. <laughs> uh, they also put the charred Dr. Spock book in the crib as well. And then I guess Eric- the charred... I guess the Dr. Spock book was still in their car when the dude blew it up with the grenade. They I managed to recover it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then Arizona Senior comes in with a gun and asks what's going on. He's got he a sees- big fucking revolver. Yeah. Yeah. He sees the baby... He asked what they if they were working with Smalls, big guy, drove a Harley, dressed like a rock star. And and Nicholas Cage says, No, sir. That's who we saved him from. And he asked them to elaborate. And Nicholas Cage says, Well, sir, usually in a reward situation there's no questions asked. So Senior says they can have the twenty five thousand dollars or line of credit at any of his stores, which is I do how he how he's prefers to, to do it for tax that, reasons. Yeah. Ed said they don't want no reward. Uh, no, but we she can would work like it that way, too. The, she would like to yeah. look at the baby again for just a minute. He says, well, sure, little lady. And uh, he puts two and two together and sees them looking at the baby and realizes they took the baby. It is a nice moment when he f- it, when all it takes for him to figure it out is just high putting his arm around Ed's shoulder. And he sees them as a couple in their relation to the baby. And he's like, oh, fuck. Okay, these are three assholes who stole the kid. Yeah. So they tell him that they did take him, and, you know, since he had more than he could handle, and they can't have their own, and he says he won't be calling the cops. His heart has been softened by these horrible, horrible people. We've and... all learned a lesson. <laughs> Don't be quite as stupid as horrible as you guys. Yeah, he says they just have to keep trying and hope medical sciences catch us up with them. I mean, they caught up with him. Oh, fuck, let's catch up with him. I do like Shit. he looks around at, like, it's like uh, caught up with a vengeance. He is just like over, still overwhelmed by the situation he's finding himself in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High says they're probably gonna split up because his wife thinks they're both selfish and unrealistic people. Yeah. yeah at least the yeah. movie acknowledges that. Yeah. They're not. This movie's not so twee that it doesn't realize how bad parents they are. Yeah. Uh, Arizona senior says he don't know much, but he know people, and they brought his boy back, so they must have some good points too. He tells them they can leave the way they came in, and before they do anything foolish again, like splitting up, sleep on it, at least for one night. So they leave. That night, Nicolas Cage had a dream. He dreamed he was light as ether, floating spirit, a floating spirit visiting things to come. He dreamt that Gale and Evel decided to go back to prison, climbing the hole they had dug originally, because I guess they never filled paint. that up. I guess not. Why not? You know, you could use that hole someday again. You never know. Yeah. Uh, in the future, at the Arizona house, uh, Arizona Nathan Jr. is opening a present from an anonymous couple. It's a football! Holy crap! How could his dad it's... not have thought of buying him one of those already? 
Yeah, you think that guy would already beaten the the way? Uh, you know, this is before the age of Amazon wish lists. Yeah. Yeah. He saw Glenn. Not getting anyone to listen to his crazy stories about a couple that stole a baby. And also, he told one too many Pollock jokes to the wrong cop. Like, boom, boom. it's a cop with a Polish name. I don't know, Wyskowski or something. or something like that, yeah. Uh, he sees uh, Nathan Jr. as an adult or teenager or something, kicking ass on the football field, plowing through fools, and they take pride in him as if he was their very own. Which is freaking me out because that should be around around 2007 that should have taken place. So right around 2007, whenever it's seen this film, I'm like, oh man, the future in Raising Arizona should be happening right about now. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Especially this last bit. This last bit should be coming up pretty soon, too. Yeah. Then he dreamed on, further than he'd ever imagined. Him and Ed are old, and all their kids and grandkids come to visit them, and everybody is super happy. And it seemed real. It seemed like us. And it seemed like, well, our home. If not Arizona, then a land not too far away. Where all parents are strong and wise and capable. <laughs> this, this is fucking turning... I, I, reading this, it's fucking turning into Prairie this Home Gary Companion. This Gary eulogy. It's Gar- no, yeah. it's Garrison Keeler's doing this. Garrison Keeler and all Gary the, All the parents the are strong Gary and wise. And all the children all beautiful. It is, yeah. Was the Prairie Home Companion done before Raising Arizona? Because oh, Prairie I always Home thought Companion's they ripped off Raising around. Arizona for the, the for the, the for the capper on on Prairie th- Home Companion. I think Prairie Home Companion's been around since 1824. That's a good point. Because Garrison yeah. Keeler looks like a melting skeleton. Have you ever <laughs> Garrison- seen what Garrison Keeler looks like? I've seen like. He looks it's like, like looking Kelsey into your Grammer own butthole. Got... I've seen it once or twice, but I've never really dealt on it. He looks Garrison. like if Kelsey Grammer got squished in a car crushing machine. Oh, God. While farting. Oh, yeah, and it's like, it's like Truman Capote had sex <laughs> with, like, a deflated souffle. Because <laughs> his face is all scrunched in. He looks like a broken dog's chew toy. Yeah, that's, well, that's the one fat thing man should... who does not look any better than Garrison Keillor. <laughs> Pro tip. Never ever Google search images for NPR personalities. Never one day like... be like, you know what? I wonder what Terry Gross looks like. Oh no! Oh, hi Terry. Oh, no. <laughs> he look, Garrison Keillor kind of looks like the guy from this movie. Halfway into the flat top makeup, but before they put the, <laughs> the actual flat top on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's how we're gonna wrap up this movie by well, totally destroying all the, the actual very sad ending of this movie. Yeah. Uh, if not Arizona, then, an- then another land not too far away, where all the parents are strong and wise and capable, and all the children are happy and beloved. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was Utah. Boom, boom, boom. And it's over. It's yeah. fine. I don't quite get the frothing <laughs> yeah. love I've heard about it. Maybe that's, that's... just from having heard yeah. so much frothing love about it. It's very well put together. It's well paced. It's very well paced. I wouldn't call it hilarious. I only laughed out loud once. Yeah. Where he scraped That's... his knuckles on the popcorn. <laughs> everything of all the things to laugh at. <laughs> everything else was in, the, and it was a jaded internet style thought of, oh, that's a funny joke. Oh yeah, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, like, I, it's a totally not a I movie that stands up to being oversold. But yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine. <sighs> it's not going go to go in my top ten of anything. If I get a DeLorean, I'm going to hop uh, back in time and like drop off a copy of this to you. Just. Not to say that you would love it nearly as much as I do or anything like that, but it would be nice to see what you would think about this if you saw this as a kid and just, like, 
kind of grew up with this more. Like, I don't know. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it cares. People can like different things at different uh, different values. It's not like everyone, it's, just it, because uh, we're friends, also, you have to like all the things I like. It also probably helped that when you Oh, saw- God, I've got 13,000 Garrison Keelers just staring at me. While just, <laughs> I gotta shut that window. Christ. It, it's bad it, enough for like, one guy when there's like a whole council of them just judging you with their eyes. <laughs> haunted little <laughs> fucking pig eyes. It, it anyway, also yeah. helps you saw this movie before Nicolas Cage was really Nicolas Cage and before John Goodman was John <laughs> Goodman. I mean, Nicolas Cage is still just high McDonough. I'm like, yeah. how did he ever become a thing? Now, especially that he's old and fat. I'm like, I can see maybe he, he still had hair in this that w- that looked natural. Yeah, and with the fact that like he's gone on to be like he almost played Superman in a movie. Mm-hmm. They talk about like how he's got this huge mansion. They had to sell off his crazy comic book collection to pay off like seventeen million dollars in debt. Supposedly, he's already bu- he's already bought his own tomb in a cemetery in pyramid. Louisiana that's supposed to be like some kind of gothic Egyptian pyramid or something mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? How did he ever become more popular than this? Because Nicolas Cage seems like he is this character. I know yeah. he's not. And it's easier for me to think that because it's the first thing I ever saw him in, but fuck. And, and, yeah, because I see I see him in this movie, and I'm like, oh, it's Nicolas Cage with a mustache. And it's like, John Goodman is a John Goodman. It's yeah. not It's not uh, Gale, it's, it's just John Goodman. It's just, oh, hey, John Goodman showed up and started screaming because he's in blue ink, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think <sighs> not having those two associated with other things probably helped the movie quite a bit. But I, I have what those guys are like. You can't see a Tom Cruise movie now and not think hey, it's Tom Cruise because oh. it's always Tom Cruise. Yeah, you're never going to get lost in the fiction of him being it, supposedly being a different yeah, person. Yeah, but maybe yeah. when you saw fucking uh, whatever the fuck it was where he slides around in his socks. Maybe that it, since that wasn't Tom Cruise back then. <laughs> they I mean, talking it was, about fucking Nicolas Cage. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he was more impressive before he was tom cruise well you could actually buy into more of the fiction of the film you're not gonna be yeah. knocked right out by like oh hey it's that guy i recognize that guy yeah um but yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he didn't hate it let's put it that way i'm, I'm glad that this is not gonna be gonna become an issue where you're like fuck raising arizona I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this is pretty much exactly what i assumed he, he would feel about it. Um, that's and, no, that's good. Um, I'm glad you weren't like, oh fuck, man, oh no, I, well, yeah, like I bet all my money you'd love it. That's why I've never really tried to even push that hard for for that film for this because knowing that like, especially if, if you were if you ever only did this because I was pushing you to, that would be a bad ending for everybody. You yeah. wouldn't have fun watching the movie. I'd be sad and disappointed. It was just like, yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that you should never push a movie on on a friend like that anyway. So, so but, what favorites of yours do we have left? fuck man you did raising arizona and little women that that's that those are some (laughs) big ones right there of stuff christ i mean most everything else that i like you've like star wars back to the future uh Mm. do you ever see rushmore no yeah again i don't think not not a lot of people like that movie Mm -hmm. um yeah off the top of my head i can't think of anything else i really care about that you you have not seen yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, I know I'd... of one thing, but it's gonna be a surprise. Oh Jesus! Because oh, it's no. gonna be my next project. Oh no! Oh, I can't no. even. 
Is there before I announce what I want to do next? Is there mm-hmm. anything you want me to do sometime? You could always suggest. Yeah, I got. It. I've I've recommended tons of shit. <laughs> You're like, well, nah. it's a very specific. You've always recommended <laughs> me blindly. You'll give me a list of things, but you've never like, hey, this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I have mentioned, uh, um, support your local sheriff quite a few times. Let me look at my okay. my list that I have for you that I've thought of. That's top of my list. Uh, but that's not super, super close. Uh, Transmetropolitan is one of my favorite graphic the novels anime? collection. Oh, uh, the co- the comic book. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Lady Killers. I'm thinking Tick on Kinkrete. Oh, the original version, right? Yes. Uh, you did Bloodsport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I've, love that. That's. I've mentioned Phantom Tollbooth quite a few times. Yeah, and that's a book, right? Uh, it it is a book, but they all, it's also a um. Oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Chuck Jones movie. Oh yeah, because Dylan actually, I think Dylan actually gave me a copy of the Phantom Tollbooth a long time ago. Which I think we this may be the third time we even mentioned that on the podcast. Mm. Um, I've, yeah, we'll I've, figure out. Like I've I pushed very you, hard. I'm in debt to you a couple times over now. I've I've pushed very hard for Akira. Ooh, Akira. Yeah, so. I should do that soon. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. But yeah, but what are we oh, doing next man. time, Bill? What are we doing next time? Uh, oh, you know what? I forgot to read the actual the little trivia for Brady Singers. Oh. And before we get yeah. to that stuff, I totally like blanked on that. Okay, real quick, not that much. No, stuff. you're fine. Go ahead. Um, give me that trivia. Trivia. Uh, trivia number one: Nathan Junior is the only main character who doesn't cry in the film. Mm. Which is funny because he's a baby and he don't cry. Uh, the guy who played the lone biker of the apocalypse is Tex Cobb, an ex-boxer who just got a bachelor's degree in sports management just a couple of years ago, like, mm. in, like, 2015. I was, it was one of those things where I guaranteed, I was like, man, that guy must have be he's gotta be dead. This movie's exactly 30 years old. He's, but nope, he's still out there and doing stuff. Um, the genesis of Raising Arizona was that the Coen brothers wanted a polar opposite of the first film, Blood Simple, and that they wanted to make a film... That was an upbeat comedy with sympathetic characters rather than Blood Simple, which is the super nihilistic uh, crime drama. Which, mm. yeah, I still have not seen that. That's on my list, too. Um, to create their character's dialect, Joel and Ethan uh, Cohen created a hybrid of local dialect and the assumed reading material of the characters, namely magazines and the Bible. Which really does suggest, yeah, th- there's a very spe- specific patois that the characters use in this film. Uh, and the news article at High Reads early in the film about the Arizona Quints contains the following text, quote unquote, their father is unpainted furniture tycoon Nathan Arizona, who is reportedly pondering a run for Congress in the 4th District. Pete Peterson, Republican incumbent in the 4th, dismissed the birth of the Quints as a cheap publicity stunt in a news conference on Thursday. He characterized Nathan Arizona as an unprincipled media hog and a loud hectoring nitwit but conceded that Trey Wilson, the actor portraying him, is a very nice fellow with a distasteful job to do. Which mm. I thought that was kind of funny. When you have a character in your movie who's a bad dude, come out and say the character, the actor's a nice boy. If you yeah, stop well, and freeze frame this, this article, I'll tell you that Trey Wilson's a nice man. We enjoyed working with him on this film. I mm-hmm. thought that is, so yeah, that, that's all the trivia for uh, Raising Arizona, and that, not, not much out, out there than, did you know Nicolas Cage was in this movie? Did you know the Holly Hunter's in this movie? Mm. Did you know Holly Hunter's also Mrs. Incredible? Coming, mm? the sequel of which is coming to your theaters on June 24th, 2018. 
Well, there you go. Uh, but man, yeah, this movie I've got such a, still got such a crush on Holly Hunter. It's ridiculous. Mm. I love angry women. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just want her to just punch me in the face. Well, there. Um, it's, uh... Not that she's always angry. She's just powerful. She knows what she wants. She's cool. I don't know. She got that southern accent. She's great. She's diminutive and angry. And oh, oh god, I'm turning to find Harry yourself mud. an angry British woman. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, queen of the Harpies. <laughs> queen of the Harpies. Here's your That's crown, funny. Queen of the Harpies. Wait, what is that from? It's The Simpsons. The Simpsons. It's oh, the one where Marge it's... and Homer go to the marriage counseling. Oh, okay. I, I was conf- confused that for whatever reason when... Uh, Mr. Burns is accepting proposals for the casino, and there's the British one. No, that's... Freshen your tea for you, governor! <laughs> oh, God, that's so disgusting. It's such a terrible, like, random authentic... fucking slam against the Brits. Yeah, have authentic oh, British waitresses. Freshen your tea for you, governor! If I were a truly nice person, I would just say whatever my next film is, just make it your choice. Mm. Uh, unless Believe- you want to do that, we could do that. Pull that in the last <laughs> second, because like my choice is already kind of tentative as as is. Nah, you, you, your yours is fine because it's fifty oh, minutes. Okay. <laughs> it's fifty minutes long. Uh, my choice. We may. I think we're playing with fire on this one because fifty minutes of something that's terrible could feel far longer than ninety minutes of something that's. It, you know, uh, if it's if it's great. that bad, we can pull the ripcord and say we changed our fucking minds. That was terrible. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm predicting like. Sunday morning, I'm going to get a text from you saying, Bill, I don't know about this. Uh, Want to do a cure after all? Yeah, I'm going to leave this up to your discretion. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a 1914's classic hit. Everyone loves it. Everyone watches it every Christmas. Everyone's heard of it. L. Frank Bombs, the patchwork girl of Oz. The first silent film actually written by L. Frank Baum for the cinema. Um... Yeah, this didn't work out too well because the studio he founded to make Oz films lasted less than a year because the films were all terrible according to the internet. So mm. we're gonna do we're gonna watch the first one. Um Delicious. I can't remember if the Patchwork Girl of Oz is a specific but I'll do more research uh, about this in the next week. There's 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 a reason why I've had Oz on the brain lately, but I just thought it would be kind of interesting. We haven't done a silent film in a while. Yeah. Um, and it's Oz related, so we, I don't think we've done an Oz project, have we? We there's not have, much Oz to talk Bill. about unless you're talking. What did we do? What did how? Well, there's not a lot of choices. What did Oz? we do, Bill? Oz, what? great, and powerful. That terrible what, uh, movie that came out just a couple of years ago. What Oz movie did we do, Bill? Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh my God! What did we do? <laughs> there's only like four choices. <laughs> That's what I'm saying! There's the Wizard of Oz, there's uh-huh. the silent films, there's uh-huh. the Oz Great and Powerful, which is uh-huh. terrible. Uh-huh. The anime? I can think of two more live action Was there a made for TV movie? There probably I, there's was. Muppet Oz. Yeah, that's true. There's a, there's a, another one. Oh my god. I'm trying not to Google this. Yeah, but... don't Google it, Bill. I want you to figure out these last two on your own. The fuck? I we mean, have one we did, but you're you, one you did, but you're also missing another major. Oh, fucking the fucking the gump, the the fucking did we do that? <laughs> we did the. We, that did must have been early Oz, days yes. again, because I think it's been a while since we've done that, right? Return to yeah. Oz. and you're also missing oh. the Wiz. Do you want to do the Wiz? Have you seen the Wiz? 
I've seen parts, and it is fucking a nightmare. <laughs> it is. I, I just watched the whole thing a couple years ago for the first time, and yes, you are correct, sir. It is a nightmare. It <laughs> is just... I don't want to speak ill of black people and their interpretation. <laughs> oh, of no, no. Oh, pull the oh, record. I'm not saying it's bad because it's got black people on it. I'm <laughs> saying it's bad because it's fucking made by what's-his-face. The guy did Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. yeah, the Wiz deserved better. It's not the Wiz's fault. It's the people who made the Wiz's fault. Oh yeah. my god. It's yeah, Return to Oz. Oz. Man, yeah, okay. Return to Oz. We are killing Oz projects. We are I'll murdering them left do... and right. Yeah, all three of them. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, we're going to do Patchwork of Girl of Oz. It's free on YouTube. It's at, like, <laughs> where the hell else are you going to find yeah, it? Yeah, and who, who's going to be guarding that copyright? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's not like L. Frank's bomb's corpse is going to roll up with a shotgun saying, don't <laughs> rob me of my precious <laughs> film rights. Yeah. Oh God! So I think look forward I mean, to that us. one. Look, oh, sorry about that, guy. Merry Christmas! Oh God, <laughs> we gotta start thinking about Christmas. Oh no, Christmas stuff. No, I, we don't have to think of sorry. I mean, we don't have to do anything. Oh Christmas. no, I've got a list. I've actually got. I I've got two months. If I, I could do Christmas all by myself, oh, I didn't realize I have as much Christmas stuff lined up as I do. Mm. <laughs> exactly. That's why I didn't want to brag about that because it would be that real. <laughs> no uh, but we'll figure out stuff at least one of them is going to be a ballet this year so but you're not going to be you may not be around for that episode we'll forget a lot of well to figure out stuff yeah we got a week to figure out at least what you're going to do for the first december stuff but up until then it's going to be oh my god i forgot how frightening the patchwork the actual main character of the patchwork girl from oz is yay Oh, it's kind of a blackface thing too. I think I may. Oh no! Oh, How no. can we talk about this? I've With seen the same bits way and we pieces. talked about the jazz singer. Oh God, we did do the jazz. <laughs> Although we just, I mean, it's, 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 it's agree that the movie's a piece of shit. It's just famous because yeah. it's got talking in it. But yeah, this movie, okay. there's not really an agreed upon thing because nobody's heard of it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I so we can say whatever I we want. You know what? I, I'm kind of curious. I should look it up on YouTube and see how many views it's gotten, because I'm assuming it's got one view from the person who uploaded it, and that's it. Uh, I am looking at it right now. It's got 3,000 views. Really? Yeah. Well, that's like... That's about 10 300-member film classes that were forced to watch this. Mmm. Alright. Mm. Alright, okay. well... Next time, it's gonna be another silent film. We'll see if I strangulate Bill before then. <laughs> It's only 15 minutes long. 15... No, no, I it's fine. That's... I agreed to it. It's fine. Yeah. So there's going to be Bill. going to be me next time. Muttered on Twitter. Grumpy, the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. I fucking always do it because that one motherfucker stole my screen name on Twitter. The Grumpy Turtle, yeah. Uh, it's Twitter. They've been banning people left and right. You might be freed up by now. Yeah. Tardy Podcast. TardyPodcast.com. Spread it. Listen to us on your drive to your family's Thanksgiving feast tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, as if this goes live, this, we're, happy we're recording. We're recording this like three hours before it goes live, so we can actually say Happy Thanksgiving. Cause mm -hmm. yeah, we're yeah. practically broadcasting this live. Yeah, because we burned through our buffer because we did yeah, not we plan really did well. Yeah. Well, I got arrested. Yep. You got that weird rash. It and was, I climbed We Mount had a Everest. weird fall. Yeah. Yeah. You, so yeah, well, yeah. Make sure to blast this at well during thanksgiving dinner yep enjoy your tryptophan induced comas everybody and until next time keep filling your holes with pop culture goodbye everybody take care guys <sighs>
And if you stick around, this is the part of the podcast, the bonus part of the Thanksgiving podcast, where we make the dinner sounds. No. Nope. So you can pretend that we're having mm, turkey. I'm num num num. Pour some gravy uh, num, num, on num. my turkey. I'm num num. No, I'm not going to have some cranberries. Cranberries are farts. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Okay, good boy. Okay, good boy.